what we are studying is not really cerebral exercise. Uh, I don't want you to just uh, think through these things. Uh, we are not really talking about formula or uh, theories. We are talking about the real life. Uh, what is my life like? I mean, from when we are young, we have learned to live in a certain way. Uh, probably if you're young, uh, everything is really structured for you. So you don't need to think uh, too much about it. Uh, you go to school, after school, you get a job. Uh, so schedule is already, the path is already set uh, for you. So you just follow uh, the pattern that is set before you. But even though you're following uh, that set uh, pattern, there's a quality of the content of your life. That yes, you go to school, but when you're on the alone, when you're uh, with friends, what is your heart like? Uh, are you happy? Uh, are you uh, satisfied? Uh, is your life uh, meaningful? Or are you just living a mindless life uh, which just fo uh, you follow? You, you do well in school. You do well with job. You do well uh, generally. So you don't need to worry too much about it. Uh, there's not much crisis. But once yeah, uh, you encounter crisis, for example, if you break down or if some of your friends die, or your family uh, financial situation is really bad, or uh, your health is not so good, uh, or some tragedies happen to you, then you think, what is life? But until then, it's just ordinary life. You just So instead of really being a human being, sometimes we wonder whether we are, we are human doing. Uh, we're just doing a lot of things. And the doing defines me. Uh, and then when you don't have anything to do, then you wonder, what am I? Uh, what am I to do? I have nothing to do. So we are more human doing than human being. So what about being? Just you are apart from everything else, apart from the uh, school that you attend to, apart from the job that you have, apart from everything else, what is your being? So last week uh, we uh, talked about two different modes of existence. And two different modes of existence is uh, life, uh, live uh, a schedule and live uh, a mystery. So those two uh, things, I just very simplistically, I labeled it as a li living a schedule and living uh, a uh, mystery. And uh, some people misunderstood that schedule. So yeah, I'm very planner and I'm, I'm just spontaneous guy. I'm not talking about that. Your personality, whether you're a planner or a spontaneous person, but living a schedule has a, a metaphorical kind of uh, 
idea. The, what I just talked about, uh, schedule is already set for you. The pattern is already set for you. Path is already set for you. You're just following that, that kind of lifestyle. And also uh, living a mystery. Uh, so if I may use another word, uh, phrase to uh, describe that, living according to the law and living according to the spirit. Uh, those two are two different modes of existence. And probably a lot of you are more familiar uh, with living according to the law rather than living according to this. What, what is living according to the spirit? What is living a mystery? That's a, so foreign. I don't know. I mean, living a schedule, I know uh, exactly what it is. But living a mystery, I'm not sure. Uh, what it means, for, first of all. So today, I'm going to reflect on Paul's understanding of the law. What did he understand about the law? So living according to the law and living according to the spirit are very, very different. And I want you to uh, experience that. And I want, in your discussion and all that, I want you to really fully understand that. Living according to the law, uh, if I may just give very, very simple example. You read the Bible, and then you learn what you're supposed to do. Uh, there are a lot of rules in the Bible. And you follow those rules. And you try to do that. You try as much as possible, uh, and you, and then sometimes you break the law, break the rule, uh, and then you feel really, really bad. So you ask for forgiveness, uh, and then some through some kind of ritual that you have. But Jewish people uh, actually kill the animal. And then uh, with the blood they poured on the uh, altar and then they believe that uh, their sins are forgiven through the blood of the animal. So whatever you do, uh, you have your own ritual. You may not kill the animal. Uh, I don't know what you do uh, when you break the law. When you break the rule, I don't know what you do, how, how you come out of it. Some, some, some of you may not even come out of it. You feel so guilty and then you live there. You stay there. Well, but others, they, they have their own mechanism to deal with uh, their uh, 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 breaking of the uh, rule and law. And then you go on and also live, try to uh, be a good person following the uh, good rule. And now again, you break the rule and you feel really bad, you feel guilty, and come back again uh, after you uh, ask for forgiveness, and then you go on. That is living according to the law. Uh, to Paul, that's not spiritual life. That's living in the old age. And a lot of you still live in the old age. That is not really living uh, the spirit. He used to live like that. 
And he realized that was all wrong. He realized that that was all wrong. But what is the alternative lifestyle? Is there any other way to live our life? So, probably this week and next week, we'll look at it a little bit more. But this week, I'm going to focus on the law, the rules. Uh, but when we, when we talk about uh, law, I'm not ta- just talking about Jewish laws. Uh, Simon is going to talk about it a little bit more before we have discussion. The first discussion will be a very short discussion. But uh, yeah, it's a short lecture too. And then you'll have a discussion and come back. And then uh, we are gonna, going to really dissect uh, the law, uh, what Paul thought about the law. Um, let's see what the problem with that kind of lifestyle is. The law was very important to Jews. Uh, it distinguished them from other people. They were proud of the fact that they had the law. So law is not just a good thing, but is law is what defined them, what shaped uh, their identity. The blessed life, the happy life, is to keep the law, meditate on it day and night, and that is what good life, happy life, and blessed life is all about. We can see that in Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is not just introduction of Psalm. Psalm 1 is introduction of life. Uh, So when you look at Psalm 1, it says, Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path that sinners tread or sit, uh, sit in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They're like trees planted by streams of water which yield their fruit in a season and their leaves do not wither. In all that they do, they prosper. Paul believed that. It's a Psalm 1. And he tried to live like that. That's law. Torah, the law, was even higher than the Messiah. When Messiah came, he, the Messiah is still under the law, according to Jewish understanding. Messiah is not higher than the law. He's under the law. So you cannot imagine the Messiah who breaks the uh, law. And then Jesus broke the law. And they could not understand this Jesus. They could not accept this Jesus because he broke the law. He broke the Torah. How could he do that? They could not accept that. Paul lived in that kind of environment, and yet he had a very different understanding of the law. It was not conventional understanding of the law. Nobody had understanding like Paul had. He was totally and radically different. And you can see how radical Paul's thinking was. 
So it was not something that he could learn from the society. It was not something that he could learn from parents. It was not something that he could learn from other teachers or from other uh, colleagues. Because his understanding, his view of the law is so radically different from the, tr uh, the understanding of the law of Paul's time. He must, I believe that, he must have received it from the living Christ through the spirit. But he must have been really, really scared to be able to say that. Because all his life, he lived like that. All his life, law was everything. And all of a sudden, he was saying that law is bad. The law is bad. How could anybody say that the law is bad? And he was, he dared to say that. It is God who gave the law. And who could dare to say that? Even question that. Never mind saying that it is bad. How can you question God? So that is something that we are going to discuss this evening together so that we can understand a little bit better uh, of where Paul was coming from. So Simon, would you like to uh, say a few words on that? Uh, not just, I, I talked about Jewish law, but and he will uh, talk a little bit about other kind of rules. I mean, Reverend Kim asked me just to uh, get a little different perspective. When we're talking about the law, I mean, the law for Paul was a very specific context. It was a law given by God to uh, the Jews to kind of guide them on how to live life. But as human beings, uh, we all have a sort of uh, law in us, right? It's almost like our rules uh, for living or our beliefs about how we should live life. I mean, that we all have, right? There's a certain set of, this is how I need to live to be living a good life, right? Um, th there's a, a Canadian psychologist, and he's become pretty well known in the world. His name is uh, Jordan Peterson. Uh, many of you guys probably heard of him. And he wrote a famous book called uh, 12 Rules for Life. So this kind of thing, and he delves into them. So, you know, especially men, this is how you should be, right? So I mean, but so all of us—that's that's one example. There are these rules for life that we believe in, and I think that's kind of what Paul is getting at. Okay, so not just about religious uh, uh, law about uh, that, but you know, um, uh, yeah. So we and and that may be different for all of us. So I'll, I mean, one example from my life, but. When I was uh, younger, and actually while I was in law school, I kind of quickly realized that, oh, I'm not really enjoying what I'm studying, you know? Like, how is this going to relate to what I believe in? And then that's when I started dawning me. Like, I know my I want, what I want to do is, like, help serve community and things like that, but I don't see. So, aha. Uh, and the problem was, I need to make money, right? So that's, for me, that was the obstacle. So my, I, my belief became... I need to develop financial freedom, right? So that I can do whatever I want. And so from there, I became obsessed with learning how to make money because that was my rule for life, right? So that's what I have to do in order to live a good life. Yeah, that's just one example. You all have your own kind of these built-in, whether you're conscious of it or not, we all have these kind of rules built into us. 
whether it's from our family upbringing, our context, peers, or society, social media. Uh, a lot of these things have uh, kind of distilled in us these rules. Okay, so uh, so this very important uh, uh, question, you know, what are these rules that you uh, are trying to live your life by? What are the rules that you're trying to live by? Or what are the beliefs um, that you've internalized that you sh you're supposed to live by? Um, so that's one first question, right? And then a related question is, okay, what, what are the strengths of having that? Okay. Uh, and on the other hand though, what are the limitations of trying so hard to live by these rules? Right? Um, Another good question is, how important is it that you actually abide by these rules, right? How important is that? Um, and uh, if you're not able to abide by these rules that you've set up for yourself, then uh, what happens, right? What's the effect of that? Okay. This is kind of along the lines of what you're thinking, right? That's good. Yeah. And Simon uh, broke the law. And then he went to ministry. <laughs> and his mother is uh, in the kitchen, very disappointed. <laughs> and his wife is there, very disappointed. <laughs> she didn't marry a uh, minister. She married a lawyer. <laughs> okay, uh, so there are some hidden rules uh, that govern uh, our life and unspoken rules. So if you maintain that rules, then you feel kind of confident. Oh, I made it. At least I'm there. But if you didn't make it at all, you didn't have a job or whatever, then you feel lousy. I don't know why. You know, my friends and all that, they made it in a certain uh, level. feel bad. Paul's time, same thing. Pharisees, they are the ones who kept the law, made money, all the fame, power, authority, they ha had it all. St. Paul had that. And then he was able to confidently live his life. But if you make in that, in the world, in that world, you will have some satisfaction, yes. If you do well. Uh, but Paul realized that the stone, stone means dung, meaning rubbish, refuse. That's refuse, he, uh, he said. I used to think that that is quite satisfactory. I used to think that that was good. But now I realize that when I look back, that's refuse, rubbish, nothing compared to what I have right now. So what Paul had must have been so, so fantastic. That's living according to the spirit in Paul's idea. Living according to the law doesn't mean that you will have a miserable life. Paul was really, really upset with those people from Jerusalem, Paul preached the gospel. But these guys from Jerusalem came down, 
And I told them, you have to still keep the law. You still have to be circumcised. And Paul was really upset with them. That's still, that is key, core of Galatians. Paul saw the real face of the law. He knew exactly what the law was doing in people's lives. And he wanted to, he really articulated what Paul, what the law was doing. It's almost like x-ray. When you look at x-ray, you know, you can see the whole body inside. And then when you do uh, more uh, detailed uh, test, you can even see how the uh, blood flows from where to where. And all that you see, and then Paul saw what the Lord was doing in our spiritual life. Most people like to follow and live according to the law. That is most comfortable. Uh, it gives us uh, the boundary and it gives us clear direction and clear, uh, I mean, instruction of what to do and what not to do. Whether you're Jewish, Romans, Americans, or Canadians, or Koreans, we are used to that lifestyle. But Paul discovered a life that could be very, very different apart from the law. So far, he thought the, the law is the only way through which you can find a good, happy life. But he realized that there is alternative life that is apart from the law. And this is what he said. But now, irrespective of law, in other words, apart from the law, the righteousness of God, the goodness of God has been disclosed. Good life has been dis disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. He saw a good life that could be apart from the law, irrespective of law, free from the law. Then what did he see in the law? What did he discover about the law and what it was doing to us? The first thing that Paul saw in law was the law defines what sin is. So through the law, you see sin. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds is prescribed by the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So through the law, you see sin. You not have known what sin is without the law. You not even know, have not known 
that you were enslaved by sin. Even though you were enslaved by sin, but you would not have known without the law uh, that you are enslaved by sin. But law can tell you what you're doing wrong. So it's like somebody is uh, fell into the water and then uh, flow down by the strong stream. And the people also, hey, if you keep going there, there's Niagara Falls. There's a big fall, you're gonna die. If you keep, so you have to come out. You, you, if you go, uh, go there, you die. That is the law. The law says that. Please, don't go there. Another example is, let's say in the water, uh, do you remember the uh, water that I poured ink and then the whole water became dark? Let's say uh, for uh, not just ink, but let's say there's something, uh, some kind of powder you put in and then after a while, the powder goes down. In the beginning, it is kind of uh, 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 tinct of the water, but it goes down. So when, you, when it goes down, you see the top a very clear water at the bottom, uh, you see precipitation. And you take a rod and stir it, and it comes back up, and then the whole water becomes muddy again. So that rod is the law. That Because when it's a precipitated, because you haven't committed sin, you are good for today, so you feel like you're clean and nice, and the next day, you realize uh, everything came up. And you're angry at your husband or wife or whatever. And then you feel bad and you're like muddy again. So law tells you uh, that you are that. So in that sense, it is good. Law is good, even necessary. You can become mature knowing what is right and wrong. Clear sense of right and wrong. And then when you look back, when you're much, much younger, uh, you realize how blind you are, you were, and how kind of foolish you were. And at that time, why was it so important? I didn't even realize how, how self-centered I was, how selfish I was. And then after a while, you realize, when you look back, oh, I was like that. That's kind of uh, what law does. Law tells you how wrong you were. But here, Paul saw the problem with the law. It is good that he tells you what is right and what is wrong. The problem is the power of sin is greater than the power of the law. That is the problem. Power of sin that resides within us, that dwells within us, is much, much more powerful than the power of the law. You know what is right, but you cannot do it. 
You know what is right, but you cannot do it. You know what is wrong, but you cannot not do it. The power of sin engulfed the power of the law. The law was not just incapable of dealing with your sin, but he started working for sin. That's a problem. It's not just incapable of getting rid of sin, but he started working for the sin. Sin used the law to enslave us. Now the law became the servant of sin, not servant of God. A very strange dynamic Paul saw, Paul discovered. No one saw it. No one dared to. No one was too scared to see it as it is. So they, oh, no, 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 no. The law is good. Law is good. They try to avoid as much as possible. But Paul saw very clearly what law was doing. Law became the servant of sin. And sin was using the law to enslave you. And Paul saw that very clearly. Sin wants to make you its slave by making you feel guilty and constantly threatening you with fear. And sin effectively uses the law to do that. The law has no power to fight against the sin and bind the sin. Sin wants to leave you in darkness and the law helps the sin do that. The problem is knowing what is right and knowing what is wrong is not enough. The problem is that our will is weak and our will is not only weak but also it is corrupt. Not only your will is weak, your will is corrupt. No matter how much you try to feel good, you cannot feel good. No matter how much you want to sleep, you cannot sleep. No matter how much you try to do good to others, you cannot do. No matter how much you try to forgive those who hurt you, you just cannot. You just pretend that you forgive because you're supposed to. That's a law. You're supposed to forgive, but yet deep inside you have not forgiven. So in that sense, he realized that law increases sin. That's very strange discovery Paul had. No one would dare to say that law increases sin. But Paul saw that law increases sin. This is what he said. But law came in with the result that the trespass multiplied. Romans 5.20 Sin increased. Trespass increased. Multiplied. Now the law is not God's instrument anymore. It has become
become the instrument of sin. So when you look at Romans again, for sin seizing an opportunity in the commandment, in the law, deceived me and through it killed me. So sin used the law to destroy me and kill me and de deceive me. A very strange dynamic. Knowing the truth is not enough. We don't have power to deal with the truth. That reminded me of a movie, A Few Good Men, that uh, the Tom Cruise interrogating uh, Jack Nicholson. That, I want to know the truth. And then uh, uh, Jack Nicholson, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> so knowing the truth is not enough. You cannot handle it. So it's better to avoid it. It's better to set it, set it aside rather than facing it. And law helps you setting aside. I'll uh, look at it a little bit later. He saw this weakness in him and in humanity. This is what he said. I do not understand my own action. For I do not do what I want. But I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law is good, but in fact it is no longer that I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. He saw this very strange human psychology. He discovered this. Not only he discovered sin within him, but how law works with sin within him. So law was useless. Not only useless, it was harmful. We know that love of money is the root of all evil. But still, people follow the love of money. Look at the world. How much people love money. I mean, you may say, oh, I don't love money that much. But look at the whole world. Money controls. Power controls. Look at the wars. Violence and killing. Oh, they want to have power. Even though they know that this power can be destructive can he exploit the weak and the vulnerable, and yet they still do it. We humanity, just helpless. We don't know what to do. 
dilemma. That dilemma Paul saw within him and within human beings. This is what he said. Wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from the body of death? The law? No. He said. Then right after he said, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. What the law cannot do, Jesus Christ could do. Instead of dealing with sin, the law became a mask that hides, masquerades your true face. All we know is how to masquerade. All we know is how to put masks. We don't have real righteousness, but through the law, we just put on certain masks so that I can look like righteous. But deep inside, we are not righteous. On the surface, we, we pretend that we care, but we don't really care. I don't really care for what you're going through. But on the surface, I have to show that I care. This hypocrisy he saw. Law just helps you do this hypocrisy. Live a false life, live a hypocrisy. False humility, false devotion, false love, false piety. And then let me give you an example of Jesus' uh, parable. And then you uh, decide uh, for yourself. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, not standing apart, but standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home, justified rather than the other, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. The character of this present evil age, in Paul's idea, is falsity. That's a problem. Falsity. False world. False righteousness. The law became a servant for us to live in this false world. The law just makes you look good. That's how Job lived all his life. 
he thought that he was righteous. See, always, whenever the, the children had party, he, uh, he did the worship and then sacrifice so that uh, they might have committed sin and so that. All these things. Very well established by the law. And one day, everything is destroyed. His children all died. He lost all his possessions. He lost his health. His wife cursed him and left him. And he had this uh, uh, the, 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 the sores on, on his body. You know what he said? What I had been fearing all my life had happened. <laughs> See, in other words, he lived all his life fearing that this might happen. So I should be good to God, appease God, so that nothing like this happened. But still, that happened. But in the end, he discovered true self. He discovered true life. That's the story of Job. And Paul saw something very different on the cross. Jesus Christ, even though he was the Son of God, he was willing to go through the suffering, humiliation, and even death. He saw the faith of Jesus for God. He saw the true love of Jesus for us. But sin used the law to kill Jesus and curse him. And he didn't realize that the law was doing that. Sin used the law to kill the Son of God on the cross. And he was part of that system too. And he killed other Christians. Then all of a sudden, he experienced something different. And once he opened up, he was able to communicate with the living Christ. And that life was so different from the life that he was so working so hard to follow the law. He experienced the wonders. He experienced heaven on this earth. That was the resurrection. When you face your own death, can you get resurrection by keeping the law very well? That's how you will deal with the, uh, your death? They are the only thing that you can ask for. God, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me. Only by your grace I can live. Not through anything else. When we do that, when we face our own death, then why don't we do that every day? 
Only when I die, I do that. You should do that every day. That's what Paul saw. 